Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Okay. Timeout. I want to talk about how much I love tag team wrestling and specifically my favorite part of a tag team match. It's the hot tag, baby. We recently got the hot tag over at SaveWithConrad.com from Michael in Williamstown, New Jersey. He left us a five-star review and he had this to say, when I started the refi process, I went to the company that held my loan to ask about a refi. They were less than optimistic about some of our refinance goals. A fan of Conrad's podcast. I wanted to give Conrad a shot at earning my business. I worked with Jimmy and immediately got the sense that our goals were realistic. I locked in an ultra low rate and the terms that made the deal were a no brainer for me. In the end, I cut six years off of my loan and saved about $90,000. I can't thank Conrad, Jimmy and Eric enough. Think about that, man. His first company, the company who had his current mortgage said, I don't know if we can do that. And the old wrestling podcast team pulled through, baby. Got six years off his loan, $90,000. Are you serious? It's the best rate he's ever had on a mortgage. And it all happened at SaveWithConrad.com. He saved 90 grand, but how much can you save? It's free to find out right now. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. But it's not a matter if you can save money. It's a matter of how much. Find out right now. SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Orn. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer, the creator of the Spinebuster, the founder of the Four Horsemen, the enforcer himself, Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? I'm very, very good. Yourself? Man, better than I deserve. Happier than a puppy with two Peters. Pumped to be here with you talking about WrestleMania five years ago. Man, I don't know. Quarantine has changed my view of time because five years ago feels like 10 years ago to me. What about you? Yeah. And if I may, before we get started here, I just have some good news. You know, my friend, Brandy, yes, sir. Young lady has really been having a rough time with the, uh, after effects of COVID and had to go back to the doctor and had a bunch of tests and everything, but she sent me a text just the other day letting me know she has gotten engaged. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So congratulations to everyone involved. And, uh, there is a silver lining, uh, in all this tragedy. So congratulations, Brandon, to you and your betrothed. He is a very lucky man. That's fantastic news. I'm glad we get to start the show with some good news today. Yep. Me too. Me too. 
Let's talk about uh, WrestleMania 32 live from AT&T Stadium, Arlington, Texas. Uh, it's a big year, uh, but it starts the year where John Cena gets injured. Do you remember John's injury in early 2016 and how he felt knowing he's not going to have maybe the spot on a WrestleMania show he would have hoped for? I remember it. I also remember not being sure exactly how long he was going to be out with John. He would always just say, yeah, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. And he would downplay it. So, and you never knew. I didn't know if he was working me or not. Uh, but I know not being on mania is nothing that anybody wants. If you're a talent, you, you certainly, that's the highlight of your, not only your year, but your life. Uh, and, uh, I just think I expected all along him to say the day of the show, Hey, I'm good to go. Let's do, let's do something. So there's a short build to WrestleMania. We had a new event here called roadblock, which is a network event. I don't guess this is really like a traditional pay-per-view, but I guess we still call them that, but we're very much in the network era. It's made evented by triple H defeating Dean Ambrose to retain the WWE title that he won at the Royal rumble. What would you think of triple H's return to the ring? I mean, he's still able to go at a main event level, at least from my perspective, but he has not been full time in the ring, but around mania season, it felt like he dust the, uh, or knock the dust off and, and get back going again. What'd you think of that? Well, number one, uh, Hunter is a worker that would have probably came out of 1985 to 1990. He's an 80s worker. Right. So, you know, it's a lot easier to get yourself back in shape. I think when you work that style, I mean, he's a wrestler. Um, and his style is a wrestler. And Roman Reigns is not a high spot guy either. So for for the participants involved, you know, I think it, it was probably physically a good matchup. Uh, timing wise and all the other things that you got to consider what's going on with the, with the build to Roman and how is Hunter, uh, perceived at that moment in time, you know, you get to a point Conrad, when you're in this business, when you've been around and you've been on top for a long time, it's not about wins or losses. It's you become iconic in people's eyes because they know what they're going to get with you. They get comfortable with you. They have expectations of you. And I think everyone knew that it was going to be a, a good match. Let's, um, let's keep it going here. I do want to briefly mention at roadblock. We saw Charlotte and Natalia work an incredible match for the WWE Divas title. Was this around the time that you think WWE and Vince in particular felt like he needed to start taking the women a little more seriously? I think after watching that match, you know, which Natty is a, is a bulldozer and she brought, you know, Charlotte up to a uh, physicality level that she had never been at. I think just being physical in the ring with her and, uh, making her earn everything that she, uh, that she got, I think that was kind of the beginning of, okay, now the girls aren't just going to be out there and, and do a few pretty things. They're going to get down and fight. And, uh, you know, it went from being a, a divas title, which I don't have any disrespect for the divas title. It was, you know, one that a lot of girls worked very, very hard to, to lend some prestige to, but I think now with the women's title, 
it was going to be a different animal altogether. It definitely is. And we're going to see a women's title. This is the last WrestleMania where the divas titles on the line. The winner of this three-way is going to become the first women's champion. Another thing that happened on the way to this show is Ryan Ward is promoted from writing NXT to SmackDown. What'd you think of uh, working with Ryan? Did you have much time with him? That would be gimmick Ray. <laughs> and you know what that means, right? Gimmick yes. Ray Mysterio. Uh, yeah, I like, I like Ryan, you know, he, uh, along with Ed Koski, you know, and Dave Kapoor, those guys have been around a long, long time and they've earned their stripes and they've certainly struggled to get ideas pushed through. And, uh, I was glad to see Ryan finally get a little bit of, uh, recognition. Uh, another thing that happened on the way to this show, Neville breaks his ankle in a match with Chris Jericho on raw. And it turns into the infamous Jericho, Charles Robinson television confrontation here where Charles didn't realize that Neville was hurt. Uh, who do you think was right in that situation in hindsight? Well, catch me up. What was there a big high spot in the ring? I don't recall that Neville was just doing a simple baseball slide as far as I recall, but he hurt himself and, uh, Charles. I don't think was communicated and had all the information there. And, uh, I don't know. It wasn't that big of a deal, but just for a minute, people were at least talking about it. What's protocol supposed to be. If one of the performers in the ring is injured with regards to the referee, what should the referee do? Well, number one, uh, Charles, if he had any idea that a talent is hurt, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, he would have stopped that match. So there was not, a, there was a lack of communication there. Clearly. Absolutely. And, uh, Neville is a tough son of a bitch. You know, it, the more I see that kid, the more I like him, everything about him is just, you know, he's just a, he's a God almighty. He's just an assassin and and he can do a lot of the dives and stuff as good as anybody in the business, but he tries to put them where they go. So if he went outside and did a big dive and came up selling his ankle or something, I would initially think that's just him being a top shelf pro, you know, a dive to the outside landing on the concrete, or even though it has a mat over it, is sure not a pleasant place to land. So I'm sure everybody was on the, the same page. They thought that this guy's just selling his ankle. And uh, I don't remember there being a big blow up about it. It could have very well happened. I just wasn't in the area. Uh, but I'm sure that's all it was. It wasn't anybody neglecting their job. Certainly not Charles Robinson. He's a great referee. No, totally agree. Let's talk about some other news and notes as we head in here. Uh, Shane McMahon comes back to the company. I don't think a lot of people probably would have guessed that that was going to happen. Um, he left the company under his own power and terms, and now he's going to come back here and ultimately wind up in a hell in the cell match with the undertaker. Were you surprised to see Shane start coming around again? Well, you know, I always like Shane, uh, Shane's a breath of fresh air. Cause he's always so upbeat and so positive and, and you know, he's just, uh, He's a big kid. He's, a, he's the biggest, strongest 12 year old you'll ever meet. Um, and him being back just, it, it kind of lended a, a little bit of, uh, excitement to the locker room area. And, and when everybody is, you know, uh, in a good mood and all pulling the wagon, the same direction, it, it just was a breath of fresh air. I think. 
uh, our old pal, Luke Harper blew out his ACL in a dark match on the go home raw. How tough is it to see a guy who's so beloved like that get hurt right before a WrestleMania? I mean, that's the worst possible time. Well, it made me sick to my stomach besides the payoff. And that's not the number one goal for a guy like Luke. Luke would have wanted to be in that, you know, in a feature match on that show and go out and do what he does in front of the entire world. And, uh, that was the number one heartbreak for him, you know, because WrestleMania has, man, it has some eyes on it. And when you have WrestleMania moments, they last forever. And the timing could not have been worse. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the folks who are coming back here. The rock is going to be a part of the show. Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley, and John Cena will all be on the show in some capacity, some way, shape or form. Do you think over the years, perhaps the company has gone back to the legends too many times? I think sometimes we read criticism online that, Hey, they're just so focused on showcasing the legends. They forget to actually build their current roster to that status. Would you agree, disagree, or on a big show like WrestleMania or all is everything sort of out of the book? It's a double-edged sword. Um, you want to give your fans and your viewing audience every possible positive thing you can give them. I think every superstar, every matchup, uh, guys from the past that truly are gods in the wrestling industry. WrestleMania is the place to bring them. But if you do it, at the expense of the new talent that you're trying to build, whether it be taking the spot away from them on the show or just uh, something being way too lopsided, uh, which we have a couple of instances of that on the show. Uh, I'm not sure it's a good thing. Uh, I'm a little bit, you know, double-edged sword on, on, on that. Certainly you can't say that you don't want a Shawn Michaels and a rock Right. And Foley and, and, and Steve Austin, who, if somebody said, would you like them to be on WrestleMania? Well, are you kidding me? Really? Of course. Uh, but then you got to break it down and figure out what they're going to be doing. And is it going to make them bigger stars than when they walked in the door that night? And is it going to be better for the show? A lot of things to, as you would say, unpack there. All right, heads up, boys and girls. Our pal and Grammy-nominated artist Wale has announced an official apparel partnership with WWE along with Foot Action. The very first Wale Mania capsule was designed with Wale, and it's going to launch during WrestleMania week and feature some of the greatest black champions of all time. There will not only be apparel available online from the greats of today, like Kofi Kingston and Sasha Banks, but also legends like Booker T, Mark Henry, and Ron Simmons. Damn. Wale Mania launches on April 7th. Follow at Foot Action for more details. And I got to tell you, man, I'm pretty hyped up about this. Wale has been a big supporter, not only of professional wrestling, but of our podcast for years. And now he's got to deal with Foot Action? Come on, man. You love wrestling as much as I do, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. And who doesn't want to style and profile? Seriously, this is a big deal. Make sure you follow at foot action at Wale and use the hashtag Wale mania, or just check out hashtag Wale mania and see what's calls in all this Wale mania launches on April 7th. You got to follow at foot action for more details. 
But man, this is so cool, and we are so glad to be a part of Wale Mania. Coming to foot action with Kofi Kingston, Sasha Banks, Booker T, Mark Henry, and Ron Simmons. Damn, Wale Mania is a WrestleMania tradition. And this year, it's no different. Check it out right now. Use that hashtag Wale Mania and be sure to follow at Foot Action and at Wale to get the lowdown on all the new t-shirts and hoodies and everything else that Wale's got going on. Because let me assure you, if Wale's involved, it's going to be cool. It's at Wale, at Foot Action and hashtag Wale Mania just in time for WrestleMania. And it launches April 7th. One of the big things that's pushed here is the whole undertaker Shane match where there's a stipulation where if Shane wins, he gets control of raw and if undertaker and undertaker can never wrestle again at WrestleMania, um, it doesn't really feel like there's much follow-up with that. Any, any feedback as to why is, <laughs> are we just doing too much here that creative, you know, thinks, oh, we'll just throw that together and that'll be a cool. I don't know. It just feels like there's no continuity. There's no follow-up on a major show like this with major steps. And it doesn't seem to go anywhere. Well, I went back and I rethought this on the outside looking in. And of course the match, you know, has some iconic moments in it. Obviously one big one for sure. Uh, but the story going into this thing was you have had the authority running rough shot over the company and stepping on everybody's neck. Shane walks back in the door and says, it's going to be a brighter day. We're going to get some, you know, I know that our fans are not happy with a lot of things, including creative and da, 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 da. You know, I want to fix all those things. So he is the knight in shining armor. It, it, did you ever have a fleeting thought because you know, you're a very, very smart guy, Conrad that wait a minute. Now Shane is wanting to make the company better. Give us some of the things we as fans think should change, but the one step in, in his way and standing in his way is the undertaker, right? That's a huge negative, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, would he have been perceived the bad guy in all of this? Talking about the undertaker. Yeah. I mean, I guess I didn't really think about it in the context of that. So yeah, in a traditional quote unquote heel versus baby face, I didn't really make much sense. So he's defending his place on WrestleMania. That's one of the steps, right? If he, if he loses, he can never wrestle on WrestleMania again. Right. Well, you're going to buy that. No. Unrealistic, right? It is. So that was just a Broadway hail Mary that you didn't need. Uh, but the fact, you know, that if you, and again, I'm trying to think about this sitting at home, reliving this story. Uh, so if you don't look at undertaker as the bad guy, you just look at a guy that's trying to defend his place at WrestleMania. Okay. I, I get it, but I don't think in a thousand years that Shane is going to come back and beat the undertaker. It is un- implausible, unbelievable, and just no way, no how it's going to happen. I just, I just think that uh, to put him in hell in the cell, and which is a very difficult match because you know there's nowhere to go. Uh, 
it, it just felt like a lot of stuff was done that probably didn't need to be done for that particular match. Here's a guy that, that comes back after how many years and he's going to be in enough shape or can get himself in enough shape to fight the undertaker and hell in the cell and prevail. No chance. Let's talk a little bit about the hall of fame that happened that year. I guess briefly we should mention WrestleMania is a week of, well, everything you've got NXT takeover. You've got the WWE hall of fame. Uh, you've got raw, you've got SmackDown, and you've got access. Oh, and by the way, of course, WrestleMania, did you ever attend any access events at all? Uh, early on, I went to, to one and, uh, I was there the night that the, uh, Ric Flair statue. Mm, yeah. I forgot. Remember, remember that? I do. I was there with you. Yes, you were. And, uh, you know, we were there. I was there for that, uh, to congratulate his statue and, and all that, but, uh, be honest with you. I had a very full week. We had everything, everything from CPR classes to rehearsals, to radio and TV shows, you know, uh, morning TV, all that stuff. It was, it was jammed in there and, uh, just really, really full, but the access thing grew into a main, you know, like a main event, something you must see. And with all the cool stuff, uh, that they had. I'm sure which a lot of those, uh, memorabilia was your stuff on, <laughs> on loan. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the hall of fame, you know, as a fan, some of that stuff is really awesome, but I did feel like it got to a point where it was like, golly, this is a marathon show uh, as a talent. Do you feel similar or, or not so much? Every talent feels that way. I think there was a rush to, to jam too many people into the hall of fame per year felt like there was too many people, uh, which made the show cause you can't, you can't give someone an honor like the hall of fame and ask them to go on stage and do three minutes. How do you do that? How do you thank everyone for a hall of fame career that helps you along the way? And, and, thank all those people and relive a couple of moments and basically soak it all in. How do you do that in three minutes? Well, the answer is you don't. And most people will go up there and, and, and do their, you know, 10, 12 minutes and you have your presenter do his six or seven minutes and whatever it is. But before you know it, if you've got eight of those presenters, and you've got eight speeches and one or two of them go 25 or 30 minutes. Now you're talking about a four hour event. You ever sat down and watched a movie dances with wolves is a fabulous movie, but it's also three hours and 15 minutes. And it's almost unwatchable in one setting. That's what the hall of fame became. I think let's talk about the hall of fame class here. Staying on top. Uh, what a worthy main event guy. Uh, to, to be in this hall of fame class, you go back to almost darn near the very beginning of his career. what do you think of sting finally getting in? I thought it was way overdue. Um, sting was a guy that, uh, was loyal to one company and, uh, much like Shawn Michaels, you know, never left WWE sting, never left WCW. He was always there, ready to ready to work and work his ass off. He uh, he basically was the figure and uh, 
the face of WCW the entire time he was there. And uh, I thought it was very, very overdue and very deserving. Plus, he's just Steve Borden is a pro and a nice guy and, and all the things that you're happy for a person when they are all of those things to get a, a accolade like that. We also would see the former big boss man, your old pal, Ray trailer go in. Uh, you were a part of Jim Crockett promotions. When he first breaks in as an enhancement guy, dusty sees something with him, uh, puts him with the midnight express and Jim Cornette, but he really struck gold when he went North joined Vince McMahon. And now he's headlining Madison square garden and Boston garden and taking superplexes from Hulk Hogan off the old big blue cage. The big boss man was a staple of the first major run of the WWF. And he finally got in here, unfortunately, posthumously, uh, any good Ray trailer stories you could share with us? Uh, well, number one, Ray was born and raised probably about 30 miles down in Paulding County, Georgia, from where I was raised in Rome, Georgia. Wow. That's just what a small world it is. And from day one, you could just tell Ray, I mean, Ray had to be 360 pounds. Right. And he moved across that ring as smooth as a 200 pounder. You just knew right away. The guy had talent and he, it was just, he's one of those guys. It was just a natural, nobody that size is supposed to move like he did and get up and down like he did. And he was strong as an ox. And he was a pro and he knew from day one, it was a business and, uh, he conducted himself like a businessman. And, you know, I loved Ray. I, I would venture to say everybody loved Ray trailer. Uh, another name on the list here, uh, the fabulous Freebirds. you and I have, uh, spent our fair share of time with Michael PS Hayes. What a character he was. It meant a lot to Michael to get in and to be able to do this speech and run around with his pal and sing the free bird song, bad street USA. This was a moment. Was it not? Yeah. Well, I, the, that whole ceremony is tailor made for Michael Hayes. Yeah. You know, he can wear a very expensive gaudy suit. Absolutely atrocious. Some pair of go to hell socks and shoes and some pimp hat <laughs> and just go out and just show his ass yeah, and but, get away with it because it's, it's acceptable. Yeah. So, you know, we, you know, those of us that have, that know that that's really Michael, that's not Michael up there just performing, right? That's who he is. That's who he is probably most of every day to this very day for that matter. So certainly the free birds were trend setting. They were a credible act, the three of those guys. And when you get guys that, that fit that well in their thinking and their job description, and they all blend in there and, and, uh, they had a hell of a run and, uh, it was very fitting that they would be in the hall of fame, hall of fame for sure. We got to see Stan Hansen get, uh, put into the hall of fame too. And Vader was the guy to induct him. Of course. These days, myself and a lot of other fans who grew up big WCW fans, we're hoping Vader gets his day in the sun sooner rather than later. Uh, any good Stan Hansen memories. We've always heard he was blind as a bat and, uh, he might whip your ass, but not intentionally. Stan was a, was a great guy. Uh, he was also probably 320 pounds and in the best cardio shape of any guy you will ever see. You cannot blow him up. 
You cannot get him tired. You cannot slow him down. And that's probably from all those years of, of wrestling in Japan. Cause buddy over there, it's a fist fight every night. And, uh, I had the opportunity, uh, when I was with WCW to be partners with Stan a few times, I was on the opposing team from Stan a couple of times and to see him standing across that ring, squinting at you, pulling up that rubber thing that he wore on his arm was about as bad a nightmare as you could possibly ever have. Uh, but yeah, man, he's definitely a hall of famer. That's for sure. You know, I wanted to give my wife the perfect Christmas present this past year. And you probably all know by now that I'm a big believer in paintyourlife.com. Dude, they hooked me up. I ordered my biggest print yet. I'll get a picture of it on social media this week. Uh, but this is the perfect gift, whether you're trying to score brownie points at home and give your wife something meaningful that you know she'll cherish forever, or maybe your extended family. Maybe you've got some aunts and uncles and cousins that you haven't been able to connect with, or maybe your mom and dad. Maybe because of this pandemic, we haven't been as close as we once were. Well, paintyourlife.com, man, they have a way of bringing us all together. And I know what you're thinking. If you're talking about those hand-painted portraits, that's got to be pretty expensive. It's not. It's truly affordable, and the quality is unbelievable. Here's the way this works. If you want to give a truly meaningful gift, you've just got to try PaintYourLife.com. It's that simple. You see, you'll get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. You choose from a team of world-class artists, and you work with them until every detail is perfect. They have an incredible user-friendly platform that lets you get a custom-made hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. It's a quick and easy process, and you get a hand-painted portrait in just about three weeks. You send any picture, yourself, your children, your family, a special place, a cherished pet, or combined photos into one painting. This makes the perfect birthday, anniversary, or wedding gift. It's meaningful, it's personal, and it can be cherished forever. And I got to tell you, this has been a home run in every aspect of my life. I got one first, now I've given one to my wife. We've given one to her dad. We gave one to my dad. We gave one to my mom. We gave one to my cousin. This is the gift that keeps on giving. And at paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. You can get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word ARN to 64000. That's A-R-N to 64000. Text ARN to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com forward slash terms. Again, text ARN to 64000. We've also got some other names here I want to touch on. Jacqueline Moore, Miss Jackie, uh, Miss Texas, whatever you want to call her. Now you can call her Hall of Famer. She was ahead of her time, probably just in her look and presentation. Wouldn't you agree? And the fact that she kicked most of the guys ass in the locker room legitimately, you know, she was double tough. The one that really saw that in her and brought that out of her was, uh, Kevin Sullivan. Yeah. You know? Uh, he was huge along with myself and Finley and most of us huge Jackie fan. And, uh, she was just, a she was an ass kicker back before women were ass kickers. Your old pal, Charles, Wright, The former godfather or good father was there. I don't think you actually worked a match against him, but you certainly spent some time there when you were an agent and he was in the ring. Did you ever work a match with godfather? 
I, I didn't. I didn't. And I, I don't know that I was ever his, uh, his agent either. I know that when you talk about entertainment on the show, yeah, that's good entertainment. Oh yeah. There's rotten entertainment. There's good entertainment. Godfather coming out of that curtain with his chicks brought the crowd up every single night and it would let them up. Like we'd like to say, you know, when you're having match after match after match, and it's nice to have a let them up segment. He was very entertaining in that role. He would not only let them up, he would light them up. He's a, a big marijuana advocate. And so was another hall of famer here. Snoop Dogg. What'd you think of the idea of including celebrities in the uh, WWE hall of fame? Well, if they, you know, if they, are good celebrities and entertaining and they have brought something to our show. I'm pretty sure Godfather and Snoop rode to the show together that day. Don't you think? Oh, for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, they had to be so high by the time they got there. They could not believe it. <laughs> That's just a no brainer, but, but Snoop's always been cool over the years. You know, he's done stuff with the show. He has a, you know, he's a relative of Sasha. You know, Sasha Banks, I think, right? Yeah. Were, were you aware of that? I think that's his cousin, right? Yeah. Something like that. Niece or something. Oh, yeah. Maybe something. that's right. Yeah. And I think, you know, he helped maybe get her started or something. There's a story there, but it's, it's way cool. Um, you know, having, having him go in the hall of fame, you know, didn't bother me at all. Uh, that's for sure. Last one, your old pal, Joan London. Remember all the times you were riding up and down those roads, drinking beer, telling wrestling stories, sitting under the learning tree of Joan London. You know, I watched good morning America and I had a crush on Joan London when I was younger. Uh, I thought she was very matronly, uh, but the WWE hall of fame, I was just before I crack a bad joke or something. I think she had a lot to do with breast cancer awareness. Yes. And she led the charge for that. Yes. And we, and we shared some of that responsibility on our show, which we were all very proud to do. It's a responsibility of all of us. So the fact is she probably did more than quite a few people who were in the hall of fame to just do some, some really good work with her life. And, uh, if we can honor her that way, then damn right. Let's get to the show. Uh, this is the, the first WrestleMania to draw more than a hundred thousand people. What's it like walking down that ramp before the show starts and just taking in the seating and the lighting. And I mean, I know you're not actually going to go straight ass out there when it's time for the, the bell to ring, but before we get started, everybody usually makes their way down to the ring and talks about what they're going to do and sort of takes it in. What was that like for you here for the biggest WrestleMania ever? You think it did a hundred thousand? There's a couple of points of contention. Some said 85, some said a hundred. I'm going to go with a hundred. Yeah. Uh, knowing that you're going to have a hundred thousand people come to see what you do for a living is incredible and come from around the world. And we would get there so early in the morning, probably 10 AM and you would go down and much like we would do at TV and you would grab a seat their ringside inside the bowl. And you would just, what I would like to do is just sit and watch people and watch how the talents preparing, how the, uh, you know, all the production people are putting the final touches on 
you know, all the stuff that they need to do and how it's just really on that last day, there's a lot of work to be done and to see it coming together, uh, is something to behold. It's, it's what an undertaking it is. And it's, you just sit there kind of in awe of all the things that are happening. And, uh, it's such a huge, nice, beautiful arena. And it just, it really would, it would take your breath. If you're sitting out there realizing, you know, by the time that sun goes down, there's going to be some shit hitting the fan major. The WWE claims 101,763 people were in the stadium. And, um, over the years, that's obviously been a number those WrestleMania attendances that Dave Meltzer would take issue with and he would say, well, that's not true. Here's how many they really were. But I think Dave was always talking about paid ticket buyers. And I think Bruce has sort of spilled the beans that the company says, Hey, here's the total attendance. Meaning if you're working concessions, if you're parking cars, if you're pulling cable, if you're taking bumps, if you're writing matches, whatever it is, you're in the building and that's who's attending. So WWE says one Oh one seven sixty three Meltzer says what was reported for taxes was 93,730 paid fans. Either way, a total gross of 17.3 million. This comes at a time Arn, when a lot of people say, oh, there's less people than ever watching wrestling. Wrestling is not hot. Wrestling's in a down period. By God, do you remember when things were down? I don't know. Let's call it 1990, 1991. You know, would you have been tickled with 93,000 people attending your show for a $17 million gate? That's probably more gross gate receipts than WCW did that whole year. That's when we're really in a down year, not. 2016, right? It's the Super Bowl, right? Of wrestling. It's a separate entity. It is a uh, crowd that comes literally from around the world. When you look at the makeup of the crowd at WrestleMania, they come from everywhere and in droves. And to know that you're going to have that many people is just, it doesn't matter what business has been like the entire year before that, or what it'll be like afterwards on that particular day, I would just say it's as good as it could possibly get period. Let's, uh, let's also talk a little bit about the way the show was received critically. It's voted the worst show by 2016 wrestling observer readers. It got 27.7% thumbs up 30.9% thumbs in the middle. And 41.4% thumbs down. You watched this show back for the first time since it happened. I mean, you probably didn't get a chance to watch the whole show back then, but you did this week. And the overwhelming majority have it thumbs in the middle or thumbs down over 70%. What say you thumbs down, thumbs up, thumbs in the middle. Well, there's pluses and minuses. I would say every piece of talent that went through that curtain gave you everything they had with the time they were allotted and worked their ass off because there is no adrenaline rush like WrestleMania. There just is a, it's, it's can't even explain it. But when you have a show that runs seven hours, right? I think that has to be the headline of the entire show mm-hmm. above everything before you get to results before you get to anything who and why 
will you ever subject the audience to being out there? If it was a seven hour show, think of the people that got there two hours early, right? Mm -hmm. So now they're in their seats there for nine hours. Now they left probably, and they probably got up an hour and a half before their time. They were going to leave for the arena, took an hour to get dressed, whatever their transportation was, tack another hour and a half or so onto that. Now we're talking about from the time they walk out their door to the time they get back, you add an hour on the other end because you got to get out of a stadium with 93,000 people unloading, which could take an hour and a half. You just invested probably 12 hours or so into going to that show. Not only that, Aaron, but I was there. I, I was able to attend this show and it was a cluster getting into the building. Fancy were there. will remember, uh, you couldn't just go in any entrance. It was almost like you were at a super bowl with much heightened security. So there were matches that you're watching at home where it looks like, man, there's nobody there. They're all standing on the concourse trying to get in. It, it was just a mess. Uh, the, the first match here, it's uh Kalisto pinning Ryback to retain the U S title eight minutes and 56 seconds. Meltzer would say the stadium was empty for this match as there were major problems with getting fans into the building with the entrance ways being shut down. There were Goldberg chants immediately Ryback undid the padding on a turnbuckle. Kalisto gave him a drop toe hold and Ryback's head hit the exposed metal. Kalisto followed, uh, for the pin. And this felt like a dark match in the sense that both guys seemed like they were being held back from doing anything past the basics because it was a long show and they didn't want to burn out the crowd. Unlike last year where everyone seemed to try and have a big show performance star and a half. I read the full match recap and rundown from Meltzer because I wanted to circle in on that last bit there. It felt like a dark match because it felt like they're being held back to not burn out the crowd and even compares it to the prior year. Do you remember the sentiment the year prior at 31 when we're outdoors in California and stings there losing to triple H and one of the biggest blunders in WrestleMania history that perhaps we're doing too much. I know you're a little old school and over on Tony Schiavone's podcast, he's told us that way back when in 86, you used to get annoyed that Sam Houston and black Bart would go out there and get color in the first match. The idea being, well, how the fuck do we follow that? If that's in the first match, did that sentiment get back into the WWE between 31 and 32? Well, I think on those particular matches. Now I know, uh, having Ryback's matches around that period, he had had it. He was ready to be out of there. He just wanted to go, uh, but he wasn't going to go out there, you know, and even that early during the day and have just a, a first match match. But still, there were things that you didn't want them doing. You didn't want them going outside. You didn't want them fighting outside because we knew it was going to be a long show. We just didn't know how long. And you really didn't want, you know, to go out there and have all this stuff go down. Didn't matter that the people couldn't get that, get to their seats and were in the crowd. You just, this was for the people sitting at home watching the show in its entirety. Uh, so I think Ryback had had enough. He was going to go out and, and give them a match. He was going to put the kid over right in the middle, which 
You know, I think uh, Manny, which is uh, Kalisto, I think came up to his belly button, very talented, but physically it was one of those deals like, oh, God, David and Goliath. But, you know, it was a, a match where uh, it was uh, David versus Goliath. David went over. There was just nobody in their seats to see it. Growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid, but eventually we all have to give it up because we realize it's full of sugar and junk we probably shouldn't be eating. And if you're trying to cut down on carbs or sugar or unhealthy food, you're going to realize, I don't think I can eat anything anymore. What about this? Zero grams of sugar, 13 or 14 grams of protein, and only four net carbs in each serving. This can't be cereal, right? No, it's Magic Spoon. And Magic Spoon only has 140 calories a serving. Here's the deal. It's keto-friendly, it's gluten-free, it's grain-free, it's soy-free, it's low-carb, and GMO-free. I've got exciting news. Magic Spoon will be releasing two new amazing flavors just this month for a limited time only. We're talking about cookies and cream and maple waffle. And if that isn't the most comforting, indulgent combination, I don't know what is. This is the ultimate treat yourself combo. So be sure to get some while you can. This is only available for a limited time. You can build your own box. The available flavors are there for you to build your own custom bundle. You can get cocoa or fruity or frosted or peanut butter, even cinnamon. And if you're listening from Canada, how about this magic spoon now ships there as well. If you're mixing cocoa and peanut butter, boy, it tastes just like a, as uh, Dave Silva would say, peanut butter cup. It tastes exactly like regular cereal from your childhood, but it's super nutritious. It's delicious, but it's a super healthy cereal that really brings joy to your mornings or afternoons or evenings or whatever. And here's the deal, man. You can get a great deal right now by going to magicspoon.com forward slash Arn and grab the new limited edition cookies and cream, maple waffle, or even a custom bundle of cereal to try it today. And be sure to use our promo code ARN at checkout to save $5 off your order. Now, the offer is good anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, but only when you use our special code at checkout. By the way, Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, to get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal, spoon.com forward slash ARN and use the promo code ARN to get $5 off. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this podcast. Next up, we've got uh, the Team Total Divas, which is Alicia Fox, Brie Bella, Paige, Natalia, and Eva Marie taking on Team Bad and Blonde, which is Lana, Summer Rae, Naomi, Tamina, and Emma. They get 11 minutes and 23 seconds. Team Total Divas pick up the win. It gets two, two and a quarter stars. Meltzer would say, uh, for Total Divas, they had Nikki still wearing a neck brace after surgery, running out to celebrate with Bree since it was her retirement. Obviously, Bree's going to have to get the win. It's her retirement match. I shouldn't say obviously, but it's being filmed for TV. So uh, there's more to it than just the wrestling component. It's also a television show. Uh, what do you remember of this match? Well, it served a couple of masters. You know, they wanted number one, Kevin Dunn's name was on the, uh, executive producer for the diva show. Right. I didn't know that. Go back and look. That's a, it's a very important fact that, you know, okay. Because when you look at the shows week to week, you know, his name is on it. They have a say in what goes on. I think 
you know, you can look at that and go a couple of ways. Okay. It's Bree's last match. You know, why does she need to win? Well, what's wrong when it, when a talent has given you, you know, pretty much everything they have. Yep. However many days a year up at very, you know, and the girls have to, you know, get up early in the morning, do a lot of radio and a lot of TV, you know, they're a hot commodity out there in the world. People want to want to see them. And, uh, it's, it's hard on the girls, you know, the guys just show up. They don't have to worry about hair and makeup and all that stuff. And the roads rough on them. And, uh, you know, they always show up professionally and uh, on her retire match, you know, I thought it was a good call to have her win her last match and, you know, bring her sister down. They are twins. They are close as you can get. And it was a feel good moment. It is a feel good moment. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk more about Brie Bella and Nikki Bella. You and I have talked a lot about Nikki Bella, but Brie Bella, certainly a huge star in her own right. Uh, next up we get Lita, uh, doing an interview saying how they're changing the name of the title to the WWE women's title. And then she puts over the three women wrestling for the title later. And she says how they're much more than divas. They are superstars, probably a little bit late to the game here. feels like this was uh long overdue, but man, they're going to show everybody what they're capable of here in just a little bit. Aren't they? You bet they are. And, uh, you know, be honest with you. I heard the stories. I never got a chance to, uh, you know, see them work that much. Uh, and I'm talking about Charlotte and Becky and, and Sasha, and I never saw them in a match all at the same time and, uh, seeing it for, for the first time, it just took my breath, just how good these girls were. And on this particular day, it wouldn't have bothered me to see any one of the three win. Yeah. There wasn't a letdown. There wouldn't have been a negative to any one of those girls winning. And I think the audience would have accepted it just as much. And, uh, you know, and I'll just say this, you know, a lot of times we do stuff, uh, just to be doing it without thinking ahead and down the road. And, you know, uh, like Charlotte doesn't have enough trouble being Rick's Rick Flair's daughter. You know, there's, there's always that having to live in the shadow. Well, maybe. And in this case, no, she has never needed Rick to get over. Rick has never needed a rub from her to stay over. There are individuals that are, you know, are they're over and, uh, to bring Rick down and get him involved in that match, I thought was not necessary. He could have certainly been in the back watching on a monitor. If you wanted to see him, he could have met her halfway down the ramp coming back and congratulated her, but to get her get him involved in that match, just took just a little bit of luster away from it. And I know the audience always wants to see Rick. That would have been fine. Just don't involve him in the match. I just don't think it added anything. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, the next match here. Uh, we've got, uh, the Usos beating the Dudleys in five minutes and 18 seconds. Meltzer gives it a star and a half and says, there's not much to it. Jay would pin Devon with a super kick. Uh, after the match, the Dudleys would jump the Usos, lay them out and get the tables. The announcers pushed that they're hypocrites since they vowed no more tables. 
They went to power bomb each Uso through a table, but the Usos blocked it and gave, uh, uh Jay gave Devon a super kick at the same time that Jimmy gave Bubba a super kick. They put the Dudleys on the tables, come off the top and, uh, they go through the tables. So star and a half, you know, I think you could be critical of this. I, I grew up a big Dudley's fan. I was excited to see him come back. I understand the nature of, uh, this type of thing is, well, we're going to be here to sort of, um, put over the younger teams and the younger talent. I get that. But now the young guys not only go over the older guys, but they take advantage of them with their own gimmick. Uh, that's, that's, that's a little much. It'd be like if somebody was beating you with a spine buster, what'd you think of that? Never been a fan of that. Yeah. I don't like guys doing other guys finishes to them. Never been a fan of that. I think you could have got the Usos over and left it there. Uh, you really, and again, you're talking about doing stuff early during the night. You got a lot of match time still to go. You know, you got a long show ahead of you. If you do too much early and that's all exhausted, there's something in business we call popping the crowd out. They could pop and pop and pop. And at a point they get tired and they just, they're it, they're tired. And if you do a lot of that stuff early, uh, before they get to the main event, you got a wore out crowd. And that's something that, that you don't want. And that's the reason you try to taper your show to least to most and not put a lot of that stuff, even though the audience chanting tables doesn't mean they get it every time. Let's, uh, let's talk about the, uh, the next match here. It's Zach Ryder winning the intercontinental title in a seven way ladder match with Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, the Miz. Sinkara, Dolph Ziggler, and Stardust. Really cool moment here in the match where Stardust pulls out uh, a ladder that had polka dots on it. And of course, Cody's paying tribute to his dad here. I dug it. I love the idea that the fans absolutely hate the idea of Miz winning and they're just booing him like nobody's business. And then. Ryder gets up there and grabs the belt and it is a legitimate celebration. I mean, this is one of the forgotten great ladder matches because everyone at home and in the stadium was pulling for Zack Ryder, who had been positioned as an underdog, a guy who the company, as you like to say, cut his water off. And then there's a big moment where he gets to celebrate in the ring with his dad after the match. And I think afterwards on social media, he even posted a picture of himself as a little kid. Uh, posing with razor Ramon when razor was the intercontinental champion. And now there's a picture of him posing with a full grown Scott Hall and a, and a full grown Zack Ryder. And now Ryder is the intercontinental champion. This is awesome shit. And it lasts for exactly 24 hours. He loses it the next day, but a really cool moment. Meltzer dug it too. He gave it four and a quarter stars, really special ladder match here. Wouldn't you agree? You know who more importantly, who really dug it almost and I'm going to say almost every piece of talent in that match. Yeah. When the word got out who they wanted to go over, almost everybody was thrilled. It just energized the room. I heard it from the talent themselves. Everybody was on board because let's see now, Zach Ryder, he looks like a million dollars. He's a nice kid. He's on time works his ass off, is a good worker, went on social media, and it, during the time when it was said, go grab the brass ring, 
he went and grabbed it and just got his ass in a sling for his trouble. He did all the right things and he was finally going to get his due. My God, you couldn't, you have just left that on him for a month. Right. And see where it went again to cut his water off 24 hours later. It's insane. But he had his moment with his dad. That was real. His dad coming in the ring was a real moment. And uh, you can see on Zach's face, he's going, Jesus, Dad, get out of here. I don't, I don't think he's supposed to be in the ring. Um, but it was a, a feel-good moment when, when a nice kid who's done all the right things finally gets his due. We were all happy for him. Big match coming up next. Chris Jericho pins AJ Styles in 17 minutes and seven seconds. It's got to be a big moment in AJ's career. He just debuted with the company. This is his first WrestleMania and he could have been thrown in a, a multi-man match. Instead, it's a feature match with Chris Jericho. They get plenty of time to 17 minutes, seven seconds. Styles gets a near fall with a springboard 450. He goes for a springboard moonsault, but Jericho pushes the ref in his path. Styles has to change his trajectory, but he winds up landing right into a code breaker for the pin. Pretty spectacular finish. Three and three quarter stars. What'd you think? Well, I mean, you can't go wrong with putting Chris Jericho over in a WrestleMania match against anybody. I don't think anybody's going to look at you and go, why'd you do that? I would venture to say, if you backed all the way up to the Royal Rumble, what if AJ, and I think that was our first sighting of him. Correct. Right. Right. The Royal Rumble. And we talked about this on when we did that particular show. What if he would have went over? Right. And it was, you just temporarily for just a moment moved Roman out of that spot because now AJ styles on his inaugural, uh, introduction to WWE, he wins the Royal rumble. He goes out. What if he would have beat triple H for that championship? and gave him another four to five, to six weeks to get ingrained in people's, you know, uh, uh, psyche and okay, find out who this guy is and what he can do and all those things. If you just took Roman, put him aside for a second and let AJ get over to say R- SummerSlam. Can you imagine how hot he would have been by SummerSlam? Now you have... Roman Reigns challenge the new guy, the hot guy, the new babyface, AJ Styles, and screw him out of it. Now you've got that guy that you have today, right, Conrad? You have the heel Roman, which I've said from day one, he should have been a heel all of this time. You it, you would have been by now. You would have had to have turned to babyface, right? But, but man, he would have been red hot, and he wouldn't have been fighting all this backlash and all that. Uh, but anyway, that's just, that's uh Monday morning quarterbacking and booking. They tore the joint down. Everybody that watched that match enjoyed it. All the talent were by the monitors. It was an excellent match. I just think it was a little soon because Jericho's a guy that you could beat. Give him a microphone the next day. Yep. He he'll make himself whole. He didn't need that win as much as I think AJ styles could have used it. Do you think this is a case of Vince wanting to see? let's beat him. See how he reacts. Of course. 
Of course, not the fact that you slow down his progress and, and the ability to help the company. I never saw anybody, Conrad, let me just make a statement. Put it in parentheses, put an asterisk by it. I never saw anybody in the history of my time in this business that lost his way into getting over. Right. Name one. I can't. Any historians out there, name one, and I will gladly bow my head and go, I stand corrected. You have to win and you have to get momentum and you have to be in some wars and you have to earn your way and you have to beat some guys that you're not supposed to beat to be in a position to draw money. And all this did was stall AJ styles. I think, uh, you know, who, who I think a lot of people would say is as good as there is. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing, waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever. To the naked eye, trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are, and they can't stop quickly. And even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. Over a mile to stop. By that time, it's too late, and the result is a potential deadly crash. The point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly, and even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way. And you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. No doubt. And he's going to get going here in a couple of months and have, you know, one hell of a run. He's still on that run. But I do want to briefly mention something else. When he first comes into the company, I believe the Styles Clash was banned. Uh, I know he had, uh, heard a guy in ring of honor. He had heard a guy in new Japan. I think the concept was on the styles clash. You're supposed to do the opposite of what most wrestlers are trained to do their whole life, which is tuck your head. And if you tuck your chin and, and duck your head there, you're going to wind up landing directly on your head. And, and that's disaster. So the move is banned, but Chris Jericho is an advocate for it. So he actually takes the move at WrestleMania here, even though it's banned. And Jericho would say, or explain later, I was doing that to show it to Vince and prove that it could be done and you wouldn't have to be hurt by it. But unfortunately in the process, he's kicking out of AJ's finisher here. And there's people who were really upset when Jericho kicked out of the styles clash, thinking that that was a a finish that should have been protected. Were you familiar with the move or did you see it for the first time when it happened here with Jericho? Um, I was familiar with it and, uh, the, the, the two guys, not to put the blame on them, but the two guys that did get hurt, did do what they had always done. It tucked their chin, which is the wrong thing to do. And it was just habit. I'm sure AJ told him in advance, yes. don't tuck, don't tuck your chin. Yeah. Cause he's a hundred percent pro. Right. You can't, can't tell me he didn't tell him what to do. It's just one of those fluke things that there are certain things that we do in this business that are ingrained into you. You just. You just do it. No matter what somebody said a couple of hours ago, you do what comes natural. Um, and I don't, I don't know about it. It it didn't have time to get over yet. So I think, you know, I don't know. I don't know Uh, for the people that didn't follow AJ and other companies 
they wouldn't have known that that was particularly his finish. So if it wasn't established yet, it wasn't kicking out of his finish. It was just kicking out of a move that shouldn't have been kicked out of anyway, just because it was new and fresh and a vicious finish. Let's move on. Let's get to the next match. This is what a lot of people are going to be talking about. It's the league of nations. Kind of forgot about them, but it's Rusev, Sheamus, and Alberto Del Rio. They're going to beat the New Day, who are over like Rover here in 2016. Uh, Barrett from the outside would hit Woods with the bullhammer elbow, and Sheamus follows with the brogue kick on Woods for the pin. It gets two and a half stars. But afterwards, Barrett talks about how there's no three men in history that could go toe to toe with them. And of course, that brings out Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley, and Steve Austin. Austin gets the biggest pop of the show and maybe the year people are just losing their minds, especially here in Texas to see him. And then we get a little bit of physicality with them. Uh, Austin's hitting stunners and Sean's hitting super kicks and Foley's nailing Mr. Sacco. It's a cool, feel good moment. New day comes out. Foley and Michaels are dancing with them. Woods wants Austin to dance. Austin tries to dance for a second and then he gets a stunner for his trouble. Um, Fun little nostalgic moment here. I dug it, but more people are talking about the post-match and the match itself. What do you remember about this? Yeah, I'm just the old school in me. I mean, those guys are, are, are good talent. Uh, Rusev and, uh, and Wade and, and, uh, Seamus, you know, it was a good deal. Um, I just think they were put together probably to, for creative, just to put a comma in the, those three guys, cause they didn't know exactly what to do with them. Um, but when they can get a rub off of those three iconic legends, that's a good thing. Yeah. I just wish it wouldn't have happened after they got the biggest win of being together. The beating the new day would have to be the biggest thing that ever happened to those three guys, right? As a team. Yeah. Their biggest win to date. That all went away when you got them bouncing around for the other guys. It would have just been nice if it could have been separated somehow and at least get credit for the win before it all goes away. Let's talk about the, uh, the next match. This is, uh, interesting to look back at Brock Lesnar pins Dean Ambrose in 12 minutes and 49 seconds. It's a no holds barred street fight. Meltzer would write Lesnar destroyed Ambrose early and in the middle and in the end. The story was that Ambrose had no chance with Lesnar, but with the use of weapons was able to get short periods of advantage before Lesnar beat him up again. Ambrose tried to hit Lesnar with a barbed wire bat and Lesnar ducked, hit a German suplex on Ambrose with a pile of chairs and then used the F five on the chairs for the pin three and a quarter stars. And there's a pretty famous Dean Ambrose interview with Steve Austin, where he talked about the fact that Brock didn't want to do anything because he was planning a UFC return and this match sort of, I guess, agrees with what he's saying. What'd you think of this? I mean, it's, it's essentially a WrestleMania squash that feels like it's more suited for a raw or a SmackDown maybe. Well, I think Dean Ambrose, which he has shown lately is a very unique character. And he's one of those rare guys that comes along every now and then that really no has no order of what he's going to do in a match until he gets out there, I think. And, uh, he is certainly everything he does is on the fly. 
It is off of instinct. Um, and I think he is, is a guy that people looked at when he was with the shield and he had that, you know, I, my nickname for him is crazy man. And, uh, that's the way he comes across. And I know that he was frustrated because he did want to, you know, have, that was a huge match for him that he would have on his tool belt for, for the rest of his career. And he wanted to, to use the weapons, you know, as a way to get himself back even and maybe even get an advantage and put himself in a position to win. But as we know, Brock does what Brock wants to do. He always has. He's ate up a lot of top shelf guys. If I remember correctly, Randy and Cena to be a couple in particular. Yeah. You know, so this was not something new. It just had to be frustrating because they did have the advantage of using some weapons to, to at least get Brock in trouble a couple times. Um, it was what it was. Like I said, if you're in there with Brock Lesnar, you do what he wants to do. And uh, that's the way it is. Next up, the match we've teased talking about for a bit. It's a four-star women's three-way. Charlotte's going to retain her women's title. I guess it was the Divas coming in. Now it's the women's title coming out. Uh, quite the presentation. Everybody gets a really cool entrance. Becky Lynch has all of her steam for her steampunk deal. And, uh, Snoop Dogg's here for the Sasha Banks party and Charlotte's out here with her dad An incredible pyro coming and going. I mean, such a visual, uh, the match gets four stars. The finish comes when Charlotte is using the figure eight on Lynch and Rick would grab Banks legs to keep her from making the save that has Becky tapping out, but there's also, uh, the big moonsault to the floor that's been replayed over and over and over. This is sort of the coming out party, not only maybe for NXT, but for the women, uh, obviously the women are what's talked about, but it, the folks who have been watching NXT for years had seen what these ladies were capable of. And here they got plenty of time, 16 minutes and one second. Uh, it, it's high fives all around on the other side of this match. Is it not? Oh yes. And like I said, any one of those ladies could have won and it wouldn't have been a letdown, you know, right. Becky's the ultimate baby face. Sasha's kind of that somewhere in the middle ass kicker, you know, uh, Charlotte, credible athlete that moonsault off the top to the floor is, is breathtaking. It's, uh, they all, but, but they all brought a sense of selling and, uh, working together to shine each other up and all the things that pros do those three girls had on display that night. And it, it was as good as any match of the night. And, uh, like I said, there were no losers. I don't know what makes my day reading the reviews from SaveWithConrad.com. John in Lincoln, California left us a five-star review that said this was the easiest and most professional loan company we've ever worked with. Larry, Phillip, and Holly were professional and friendly, making sure we understood every step of the process and answering all of our questions in a timely manner. We knocked one and a half points off of our interest rate, took cash out to pay down debt and repairs, and our payment didn't increase. Amazing team, amazing experience. Thank you. No, thank you, John. I appreciate the kind words. Here's the thing, man. We want to get you the best rate possible, but more importantly, we want to set you up for those long-term goals. Don't you want to pay your house off faster? Wouldn't it be cool to do it with cheaper monthly payments? If you've got debt, it's up to you how you pay it back. At SaveWithConrad.com, my family will help your family do just that. 
We're going to get you the best rate possible, the greatest tax deduction possible, get you out of debt as fast as possible with the cheapest monthly payments possible. And it's all possible at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Seriously, get yourself a quick quote right now. We're routinely helping our listeners save 60, 70, 80, even $100,000 worth of unnecessary interest. But how much can you save? Find out right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Next up, we get The Undertaker and Shane McMahon in a Hell in a Cell match. Uh, I love that Shane got to do the entrance with his kids. You could tell it was it meant a lot to the whole McMahon family. Uh, of course, The Undertaker's in his domain in a Hell in a Cell match. They get plenty of time, 30 minutes. Meltzer, well, he hated it. He says, the work in the match was pretty bad. Undertaker looked out of shape. Shane looked in shape, and he can do cool things and move great for his age. Considering his level of training and the ring time, he did really well, but that's really not an excuse to go 30 minutes. So he's pretty critical of it. We know that this is all set up for, and and people were even joking ahead of time. Hey, Shane's just looking to jump off of something. He's going to jump off the damn scoreboard over the 50 yard line. Instead, it is a big bump off the hell in a cell through a table. Uh, they added some, some, some safety elements to that, uh, some magic, if you will, but when it's all said and done, Undertaker hits the tombstone pile driver and pins him. Meltzer would say it went way too long. And the first 25 minutes were bad, except for the gimmick spots, two and a half stars. This has to be a nightmare. If you're an agent, I, I, I didn't ask if you were an agent for this match. I'd love to hear who was, but you've got the undertaker. Nobody's going to tell him what to do. And you've got Shane McMahon. Nobody's going to tell him what to do. So, Hey, what do you guys want to do? And then now we're going to do that. But it's probably hard to go to either one of these guys and say, no, can't do that. Got to do this. Right. Well, yeah, you'd look like a fool if you did. Right. Uh, they pretty much had carte blanche and it was, you know, Michael Hayes production. I'm sure, uh, be honest with you, even though it wouldn't be my responsibility or my fault, I would feel like it was if something happened to Shane on that descent from the top of the cage and he did get hurt bad, I would feel responsible being the agent sitting in the chair, even though that's ridiculous. It's just the danger involved in that. I don't think they understand what he did that night. Right. What Mick Foley did when he went off the top of that cage. If you're a wrestling fan and you're looking to idolize somebody for doing something special for you as a fan, it's those two guys because you wouldn't have got me up there for any amount of money. It is, it is literally a stunt that is Hollywood worthy of any action thriller you've ever seen, but it's, it's real. It's a hell of a bump. And the fact that they'd gimmick the table a little bit so that it would, you know, blow up properly and all that. Okay. Well, it's not like there was a rehearsal. Yeah. For this. How about this? You still got to have sack enough to climb up there and jump off. And, yeah. And it ain't like Arn Anderson or Conrad Thompson are doing that shit. So kudos to him. You damn right. And, uh, for what they did for the company, what they did for the business and, uh, and for the fans, you know, my hat will eternally be off to those guys because it is way beyond my only thing is, and I'm just begging. Once that happens, drag the guy in the ring and just cover him. I agree. 
Don't do a move. Don't do a wrestling move. Anything you're going to do as iconic as a tombstone is, do you really need it? Right. At least make some sense out of that. And I thought the match, it being the undertaker, Shane being a part-time, part-time guy, not really recognized as a full-time wrestler and just coming back, I think it was probably too competitive for too long. It could have been way, way, way shorter. Undertaker would have been proven a point, you know, in this match. It just felt like it went. He shouldn't, Shane shouldn't be able to compete with the Undertaker for that length of time. If you're looking at Reality. what's acceptable yeah. as a wrestling character, if you know what I'm saying. Next up, we get Baron Corbin winning the Andre the Giant Battle Royal in nine minutes and 41 seconds. Meltzer would say the first two and a half minutes were all about Shaq and Big Show. Shaq looked monstrous, two inches taller than show, and he looked wider and bigger. This is directly from the observer. Although big show was fatter. It killed shows world's largest athlete gimmick. When Shaq looked so much bigger than him, they did a stare down. Kane tries to break it up. They both choke slam him. Then everyone starts beating on both in opposite corners show threw half the roster away and Shaq threw the other half away. Corbin came in from behind Kane and threw him over at nine 41. At least they used the battle Royal to try and make a new star in his debut star and a half. Uh, it is interesting that all anyone really remembers from this is Shaq versus big show. I'd kind of forgotten that Baron won this, but having Shaq in a ring at WrestleMania is something that Vince McMahon had wanted to do for a long time. And it finally happened here. Monday morning quarterback again. Yep. Can we do that? Please. Number one, everybody doesn't know who every piece of talent that we have on the roster. Guys that don't get a lot of TV, number of reasons, hadn't been on TV for a while, What, what whatever the reasons are. To send out all those guys, 25 guys or however many it was, in mass, it looks just like a cluster. Nobody has a, a moment there to even have an entrance if you would have had let's just say Big Show have an entrance and let's just say Kane had an entrance and the new guy, Baron Corbin, had an entrance. And you at least had those, like the big guys, this is a big guy event, uh, the Andre Battle Royal. Here's here's some of your big guys that are going to be in this thing. Just to where you put some emphasis on they have an advantage might have helped. And having other than having show and uh, – and, uh, Shaq, which was a huge deal, having Shaq in that ring, and he wasn't. Man, he did stack up big time with show. He's a huge guy. Yeah. But let's just say we went the other way and you whittled it down to being a little bit shorter since we got eight hours of show left to go. Right. What if those two monsters cleaned house and got rid of everybody but Baron and Kane? Then they locked up with just four guys left, they get into their fight. Here comes Baron, they're teeter tottering by the ropes and Kane. And they dump those two guys out and right on the heels of that Baron dumps Kane. Now you got it down to four guys that I can't predict who's going to go over. I would probably say the way we do business, I would even looked at Shaq going over as a possibility. I agree. Totally. I would have thought the same thing. It just has, it's a bigger moment on the end. 
certainly Kane went in, wouldn't have shocked anybody, but now you have that moment with just four guys are left and it's a lot more drama. Once you get them out early, take away some of the drama. I think again, that's Monday morning quarterbacking. Just wanted to take a second to remind you of all the great shirts available at orangeshirts.com and all the Arn Show gimmicks over at boxagimmicks.com. Pick up an Arn Show track jacket, pick up a four horseman hoodie, get a cultured bulk shirt, or grab a poster of Dave Silva's cover art. Whatever you need to show off your love of the Arn Show. That's orangeshirts.com and boxagimmicks.com. Next up, we got the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. We had to have them here. They're super famous. And I, uh, I wasn't opposed to that. Not at all. The rock comes out when they're done. He's got a giant flamethrower rock announces the crowd number. Uh, and then of course he, uh, sprays fire on his name, which is kind of cool. Then the Wyatt family interrupts, uh, the rock cuts a promo about you know, Bray's weight and says something about, you say you're the eater of the world. So it looks like you're the eater of blah, blah, blah. Well, then he rips off his gear or his, his clothing and reveals he's in his ring gear. He's ready to go. And he wrestles Eric Rowan. If you can call it that because the bell rings rock hits the rock bottom and gets the pin. And it's announced that the rock has set a new WrestleMania record. He won his match in just six seconds. Uh, and then John Cena comes out and saves the rock from a beat down from the rest of the Wyatt's. They clear the ring and that's a pretty cool moment considering their history where they've headlined a couple of WrestleManias against each other. Now they've sort of patched things up and they've got each other's back. I know that the rock probably couldn't work a conventional match based on his incredible Hollywood schedule and what his obligations were there, but that's a pretty cool moment and nice use of Shaq here. Wouldn't you agree? Nice use of the rock. You bet. Yeah. 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 My apologies. Yeah. That's all right. Okay. I'll do you one a little better. Why just dump all over the Wyatts? I totally agree with that. You could have did it with someone else or a different way, but if you want, if you want to have him set a WrestleMania record and cut a promo on somebody, maybe it shouldn't be with a hot act like the Wyatts. We agree on that. What if, uh, what if we set the Wyatts to the ring first? Bray did the promo. Rock or rock came down, looked them over, did a little bit of the rock isms. If you smell what he's cooking and all that, let those guys jump on him, rock, try to fight them. They got the numbers, get him down, get a little bit on him. There's no match. There's no one, two, three. Now you bring Cena down and the two of those guys make a comeback on the Wyatt's. You at least gave the Wyatt something. You gave the babyface something to overcome. The end result is you got Rock and Cena looking good on the very end. Just a little bit different slant on it. Also, too, though, I mean, I know online there was a lot of folks who were sort of jumping all over WWE for having the riot, the Wyatts used like this. And, and I get that that's the direction you were headed, and I understand that. But at the same time, when you talk about WrestleMania moments, if you have an opportunity to work with the rock who at this point is the biggest star in the world, not just wrestling, any opportunity that gets me in the same ring with the rock at WrestleMania, I'm probably up for, right? Oh, of course. It just, uh, one second or whatever it was. Yeah. Seven seconds is fast. 
you got to remember, you got to remember how was Rowan used before this and how will he be used after this? It's hard to make him that monster. He was, even though it was the rock. Right. And no, Hey, I'm a fan of the rock. He's a gentleman. He's a class act. He has done tremendous amount for our business and he's the biggest movie star in the world. Right. He's got more accolades than you can imagine. Uh, but having the wrestling background and knowing how drama is built and all those things, I just think, and for those that might not be a rock fan and I'm teeter tottering on the edge, don't you feel like I might feel like it's kind of the Roman Reigns thing. Yeah. Why are you shoving him down our throat? You don't need to let him earn his way along uh, because that's why we like him because he don't, he won't stay down. You know, he is the guy that won't quit. He is the guy we can believe in just a different way to look at it. I was at this show in the crowd and, uh, when the next match started, I hit the road. It's your main event. It's Roman reigns versus triple H. They go 27 minutes and 10 seconds. It's a cool entrance from Hunter. I wanted to see that entrance. And once I did, I was hitting the aisle trying to beat the traffic and get back to civilization because even though people say, oh, this is in Dallas. No, it's not. It's a cat. It's a quite a cab ride to get back to Dallas, uh, from this stadium. Roman reigns gets the win though. 27 minutes, 10 seconds. Uh, they're using Stephanie here as well. Uh, Meltzer would say Reigns went to spear triple H who moved and he laid out Stephanie to a big pop. She took it. Great. Triple H then hits the pedigree, but Reigns kicks out. Reigns hits the Superman punch goes for a second one, but triple H hits him with a high knee for a near fall. Stephanie, who would roll to the floor, then hands triple H a sledgehammer. Triple H goes to use it, but Reigns beat him twice to the punch with a Superman punch. Then triple H went to use the sledgehammer and Reigns ducked it and hit the spear three and a quarter stars. So we're a year late, you know, you go back to WrestleMania 30 and we wanted to make sure that CM Punk talks about the Royal rumble from 2014. We need Roman to look strong. That's in January of 2014. We try to crown him at WrestleMania 2015, but we know the audience has turned on him. So we have Seth do a cash in. We create an unbelievable WrestleMania moment at 31 in 2015. And now here in 2016, finally. It's the crowning achievement that they were looking for. Roman Reigns is now the mantle holder. He's your world champion. But as a fan in the crowd, I knew what was coming and didn't think I had to see it. So I beat the traffic. Meltzer gave it three and a quarter stars. What'd you think? Was this just the wrong placement on the card? Was it not the right positioning for Roman? Did fans not want to see triple H here? What could we have done better with a main event here in 2016? Well, I'm sure Stephanie took the bump of the match. Yep. And she's a pro. She's when she's on, she's the top heel in the business. I mean, she's just, she's a great heel. Um, did you happen to look at your watch when you were walking out of there? No. And, and did you have a rough estimate of how long you'd been in your seat? Well, I knew that it was going to be a mofo to get in. So I was across the street at a, a tailgate, uh, just watching the traffic. And when I saw it start to dissipate, then I went over. So I missed the first couple of matches because I knew people were just, I mean, I knew the show had started, but people are still standing outside waiting to get in. Well, I didn't want to stand around like an asshole. So I think I saw the Usos Dudleys first. So it was a seven, it was a seven hour show. 
Yeah. I think we even have a question here from Brad. He says the main card at this year's WrestleMania stretched to nearly five hours plus two hours of the kickoff show. What was the internal reaction from the agents, producers, and the like, when the word came out that the show was going to be so long exhaustion, mental exhaustion. I don't care who you are. Fans cannot stay interested that long. It's just more is not better in all cases. It just isn't. And I'm sorry. It's not, it's just not, uh, getting back to that main event. You know, I knew it would be a good wrestling match, but after six and a half hours or, or four and a half hours of the, of the regular show, whatever the time was when they went to the ring, you know, to go 30 minutes. And I heard from other people that people were piling out of there, you know, five minutes into the match, people were filing out of people that I, I trust that were leaving, you know, like you were, they were filing out of the, of, of their seats or out of the stadium, which is not the talent's fault. It's just too late in the show. It was a predictable finish. They had already fought how many times on TV, right? Yeah. At least gotten together for a scuffle. Yeah, of course. A lot. All those negatives that you don't want to have, you know, have already happened. And, uh, I just think people were exhausted. The end result was what they said it was. And they did not want Roman to be the baby face that all got killed when he was doing his, you know, his famous promos along the way, suffering succotash didn't help. That's for sure. Yeah. It's all, uh, in hindsight, we need to have somebody write a book on this about what happened, how it happened, what could have been done better. You watch the show back and, and we talked about it, that it was mostly thumbs down from the fans after we broke it down at all or all the entire show today, do you have any regrets about the way it went? I mean, is there one thing that sticks out more than anything else where you're saying, man, if this would have been different then the show overall would have been received better. Is it just the length of the show? Is it the main event? Is there one thing you could fix and change people's opinion? Don't think so. I think you had some matches that they weren't totally invested in, but you know, uh, I think it was too long. I think, which is always the, the big match that has some mystery to it is, uh, uh, the, the world heavyweight championship. And I don't think that mystery was not there. Uh, I think there was just a lot of bits and pieces along the way. I guarantee you nothing, uh, that the talent were doing in that ring. They were every single one of them because it's WrestleMania night. They're busting their ass. So it wasn't about that. It was just about the fact that it was too long. There were too many matches put in there that you weren't invested in. I don't know how you would have fixed it other than to cut it. Probably the main show, at least an hour and a half. Let's talk about, uh, some fan questions here. Joshua wants to know what was Vince and most of creatives reaction to Roman getting booed all the time. Arn, this comes up because we hear supposedly allegedly, according to the rumor and innuendo, whatever disclaimer we want to put here that Vince would say things like, or had the attitude of. God damn it. They don't know what they want to see. I know what they want to see. Now, that might not be accurate, but you were there. What were they saying as an excuse? Whenever Roman's getting booed every time and at home, we could even hear the crowd being turned down. So like they come out with a thunderous boo, Kevin Dunn or somebody's riding that knob and it's like, yeah, let's turn that down a little bit. 
and they continued the course instead of doing something different. What rationale are we hearing from the chairman about that? The hundred percent faith in himself that he can make any idea that he has a reality and everyone will accept it. That Roman Reigns was going to be the lead guy as a baby, as a baby face for the company instead of seeing way back when years before that, that that's not what they want Roman to be. Roman doesn't have to say anything. All Roman has to do is come through the curtain and be a ass kicking machine. They don't want him. They don't want him to be a nice guy. They don't want him to be clever. They don't want him to be entertaining. And they certainly don't want to see him spear five or six heels at a given time. One of the, one of the things that I did learn from Vince is early on is don't shove a baby face down the people's necks if they're not going to accept it because they'll regurgitate it. Right. And we got away from that theory and we quit listening to our audience because they will absolutely tell you what they want. And when you quit listening to them, you know, I used Kevin Owens as an example, you know, when he beat Cena his first, you know, on the first show that he was on, the audience was 90% behind Kevin Owens. Right. That week, creative should have been sat down. Wait, guys, I don't care what you got written down for the next week or month or two months. This guy's a baby face. Next week doesn't mean we we change his style of work. It just means that we put him in in a position to be the favorite in the match. And uh, you change everything that you had because it was so crystal clear. That was what they wanted. Give it to them. And with Roman, we just kept doing, you know, the fact that Roman goes out there and spears five guys does not make Roman more of a baby face. It makes him a God and he's not earning his position or his push or however you want to call it. He's just out there running through guys and the audience smells it and they don't like it. Let's, uh, let's do some fan questions here and then we'll wrap up WrestleMania 32 here. A Farrell's has a great question. He says the rock and triple H set up an angle at WrestleMania 31, but it feels like it fell through. At what point did WWE know rock wasn't going to do the match? Why did he back out? If he was going to have to be there anyway, um, I assume it's a movie insurance liability situation. I'm not sure, but what he's referring to is at 31, we had Hunter and Stephanie in the ring and we had, you know, the rock in a verbal joust with him, and he jumped uh, down and you see Ronda Rousey sitting ringside and it felt like, Hey, they could do rock and Ronda versus triple H and, uh, and Stephanie. And if that doesn't happen, maybe you could just put the ladies in each corner and it could be singles competition, sort of for nostalgia's sake, going back to 1998, where it was the nation versus DX. Do you remember why this fell through and when it fell through? Uh, no, we never, there was never an announcement. I tell you what, I loved that tag match on paper. Yeah. I knew that would be good. I knew it would be fantastic. 
Um, and it would have been an attraction. It would have been a novelty and it would have been something you could have had fun with and been a money match. Uh, I don't know what happened, but I would guess that, uh, the rocks star just kept getting brighter and brighter and it was not a fiscally or physically, uh, in his probably best efforts to have the match because he was doing so much in uh, Hollywood. Maybe, I don't know. That would have been my guess. He was on fire. Adfreeshows.com is growing every single day. And so has the exclusive content you can only find as a member of the Adfree Shows community. But wait, there's more. Did you know Adfreeshows.com has free content? Yes, that's right. Free content. And the best part, you don't have to sign up for anything or become a full-fledged member to enjoy. You can immediately listen to Can Chris Hero Save Wrestling? a weekly podcast with Conrad and Chris Hero, a monthly podcast talking all things ECW with the Blue Meanie, Josh Chernoff, and Joel Gertner. You also have Wrestling with Stereotypes, plus the weekly creative canvas by artist Doug Halliday. This is his twist on the fun stories shared by your favorite podcast. And finally, just announced in this corner, hosted by Cyrus Fee's It has been added to the platform, and he and his guests discuss all things wrestling and combat sports. All of this is free, so do yourself a favor and go to adfreeshows.com and check out all the free content you have access to right now. Let's uh, let's do one last question here. Um, Adam wants to know, why do you think the Leagues of Nation didn't have more success? There was so much talent in that group. And like I said earlier, I don't remember what he actually the angle even was or the explanation to the audience that got them together. Do you remember off the top of your head? I don't. And I don't either, but I got a feeling it was three guys that had had runs, you know, had done their thing and now creative, you know, didn't necessarily have anything for them. And they were impatient because they're young, they're healthy. They got a lot to offer. And maybe they just decided creatively just to stick them together. Uh, I don't know, but you know, when you got three guys like that, it seems like you could give them the, the full throttle push. And it just never seemed that way. It was almost like it was just a, a middle angle with not a whole lot of time or thought put into it. So Seamus King Barrett, Rusev and Alberto Del Rio, the thing starts November 30th, 2015. So I guess right after survivor series, uh, and they shut it down April 28th, 2016. So not very long, but so much talent, especially when you look at all the world's world titles, those guys had racked up. Uh, I mean, my God, the year prior Rusev wrote a fucking tank to the ring. Uh, (laughs) you like that. Didn't you, that tank, uh, you said that before on another episode, you dug the tank, right? Well, it's just like. When the Me company, too. when the company gets behind you to the point that like, listen, I don't know how to rent a tank. I don't know how you would go about sourcing a tank. How does one find a tank? And then all those different soldiers and the presentation and you're against John fucking Cena at WrestleMania. Like my God, uh, th- that doesn't feel like a guy a year later to use a, a friend's phrase. They're going to cut his water off. He's the new guy. He wrote a fucking tank to the ring. Uh, like you can't just go down to tanks are us. I'll never forget. I was at that show and, and lucky enough to be backstage. And as I'm 
coming around the corner and I see a fucking tank there. I'm like, wait a minute, what's happening with a tank on this show? And then you see the presentation it's off the charts. And then a year later, well, we're going to let Shawn Michael super kick him and put a sock in his mouth and take a stunner. And I don't know. It just feels like, damn it. We had some momentum with Rusev and then not so much. Well, I would just say this. If you ask why, ask why. And this has nothing to do with them, but it has everything to do with them. When you can't find anything for Luke Harper to do. Yeah. Look internally. Don't look at the talent. I really thought when you were going to say why ask why you were about to say try bud dry, but I guess that's another time for another station. Let's talk about what we're doing next week. It's hashtag ask Arn anything. Every other week we give you guys the keys to the castle here and uh, you're totally in control. Now, if you want to ask a question about any of the shows we've got coming up, it's easy to do. Just follow us on Twitter. It's free by the way. Come on. It's at the Arn show. You can also get these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. Uh, you heard at the top of the show, we had a uh, little bit of a tribute from Arn to Brandy. Arn met Brandy on adfreeshows.com. It just goes to show you that, uh, well, we're trying to give you more than your bank bank for your buck here. I mean, we're developing real relationships. You guys are becoming our family members and we can't thank you enough for all you do for us. Uh, coming up next week though, as we said, hashtag ask Arn anything. We'll be back in two weeks with payback 2016, uh, in the month of may, we're going to hit over the limit 2011 and extreme rules 2016. It's going to be pretty fun. We've got bonus episodes planned where we'll actually watch the WrestleMania 18 match where Arn hit maybe the most famous spine buster of all time on the undertaker. We're also going to cover super brawl one where Arn is in a semi main against Bobby Eaton for the TV title. That's going to be a lot of fun uh, until next time. He is at the Arn show. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad and we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on Arn. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.